0: So the way they pick TV shows is, they make one show, that show's called a pilot, then they show that one show to the people who pick shows, and on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs, some don't, become nothing. episode of the Pilot Season podcast. This is the show where we pick a show, a television show, and we watch just the first episode, and then we convene to talk about it. My name's Dan. And I'm Jen. And this is kind of a special episode. We watched not one, but three shows today, and they're part of the Amazon Pilot Season event, where they're airing Three half-hour comedies, and it's up to the viewers to to then vote, and the winner becomes an Amazon original and goes on for you know I guess it's whatever its regular season would be. Um, Watching these shows, I I realize I've never I I don't think I've ever watched any Amazon original television. Um, I have to assume it's. Similar to Netflix, where I mean, you know, there's um, really no uh, restrictions on language, violence, right? Nudity, you know, nudity, things like that. The the three episodes were "I Love Dick," uh, John Claude Van Johnson, and The Tick. All all three were wildly different from each other. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, And we watched them in that order, and um, I think, you know, going in me personally, the only one that I had any prior knowledge about was The Tick. Um, The Tick was a, you know, the history of The Tick was basically it was a it was an independent comic in the Uh, maybe late '80s, early '90s. Then it was developed into an animated series, and it had a uh, live-action show on Fox. I think it was a short-lived, like one-season live-action show starring Patrick Warburton, um, you know, Putty from Seinfeld, and other roles. So that was pretty much, you know, like I said, as far as going in. I mean, a lot of star power, I think, in all of these shows. Yeah. Minus the Tick, probably is yeah. the one. I, I only, the only person I knew was the guy that actually played the Tick. Um, his name is Peter uh, Sarah Sarah Finowitz. and he's been in a couple of movies. He was actually in Guardians of the Galaxy. He had a small role in that, but. Um, yeah. Other than that, you probably wouldn't really know him for anything.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't recognize him as that character from Guardians, and I didn't really recognize anyone at all in the mm-hmm. t- in the Tick.
0: So, I guess, and we'll we'll talk about them in the order we watched them, which, w- like I said, was I Love Dick, Jean Claude Van Johnson, and the Tick. Um. I guess to start off with, I. <laughs> Broadly speaking, I think I enjoyed them in that order from least to most.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm glad that you said that, because that's. I, I would probably agree with that. I definitely, the one that I liked the least was the first one. The other two, I'm still a little torn... I saw pros and cons with both, and neither of them were the kind of show that is like my typical go-to. Like, oh, yeah, I gotta check out this show, therefore it's gonna be the winner of the three. Not None of these three shows were my typical go-to, so the two that are... I don't want to say tied, or... I don't know, I'm still kind of debating, but I feel like... Well, maybe as we go through, I don't want to just start saying why I yeah. feel like because we we want to go in order. But there's reasons for yeah. why I'm a little bit torn on those other two shows. But okay. I, I guess we're in agreement at least somewhat with the overall feel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: overall takeaway from
0: the shows. Yeah. So, so if we're going to start with the first one, I love Dick, uh, starring Kevin Bacon, uh, who you know who doesn't know Kevin Bacon, right? <laughs> Uh, Griffin Dunn. I haven't seen Griffin Dunn in a long time. He I, th- I think I told you, you know, he was a he was a bigger actor in the eighties and nineties. And um, but I I generally like him. You know, I like that you know he, him as as an actor. And then Catherine Hahn, who we know Best as the she had a small role on Parks and Recreation as Jen Barkley, who was the uh, like Washington political analyst consultant. Yeah, like a political like campaign consultant Mm -hmm. type of person, and she was great in that show. Yeah, she was you know she played that role perfectly. So this was she's also in that new movie um, Bad Moms. Bad Moms. Oh, okay, that's right. So. This, uh, you know, th- this was kind of a departure for her. Uh, the, the the story with I Love Dick is, and, and and what I didn't know going in was I Love Dick is based on a on a novel by the yes. same name. Uh, I, blanking on the author's name, I. It's I, the name of the character. Oh, Chris Kraus. Chris Kraus. Okay. Right. That's uh, that's Catherine Hahn's character. Um, Catherine Hahn and Griffin Dunn are a married couple. Uh, and and they, they look like they're a typical married couple. They're kind of middle aged and um, maybe just going through the motions type of thing. Um,
1: I mean, the description that Amazon provided said something about how they were having like difficulties in they, their marriage yeah, or struggling. Were, yeah. Right.
0: So, uh, Griffin Dunn is a writer, Catherine Hahn is a filmmaker. Griffin Dunn gets invited to a, a writer's residency and this program in Texas in a in a town called Marfa, Texas, which <laughs> I, I hope is a fictional town. Um, it's a funny name, Marfa.
1: The first time they said it, I thought they said Martha. Yeah. Then when they got there, there was a big sign, Welcome to Marfa. Yeah. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, the name of the town really is Marfa. Yeah. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. It's just a unique and different-sounding kind of name.
0: Yeah, so they they drive from what I th- assume is probably New York. I think to it.
1: I think we saw something that said New York, or there was yeah. something. I definitely thought it was New York.
0: Yeah, to so they drive all the way from uh, uh, New York to Marfa, Texas to. For Griffin Dunn to spend, I think I, I, an undetermined amount of time, maybe at this at this uh, writer's residency. I don't
1: think they ever said it.
0: Yeah, um, which is run by Kevin Bacon, who is a scholar. Uh, he runs this program, and so that that's where we that's where we start. They they show up in this um, small town, and to call it a town is probably being very generous. Yes, it's, <laughs> you know, and and I think that's part of the the show is that they are prop they are, you know that these two, we'll call them you know would we'll say slitty, city slickers are in the middle of nowhere right, um, and initially, Catherine Hahn's character Chris was not planning on staying. She had a film that was invited to be at a film festival in Venice, but then after she and uh, Sylvia was his name. Griffin yeah. character, Sylvia, yeah. arrived in Texas. She received a message that it was being pulled for reasons that are, I don't know if they're they're not necessarily important for the purposes of our conversation. But but that but but that's her. You know that that gives her more of a impetus to stay because you know her. You know that's kind of a blow to her and her. I think Career.
1: the the plan was that they both had these independent projects going on at the same time, mm-hmm. and
0: all of a sudden, hers was a bust. Right. So she's kind of left, um, I mean, just, you know, first of all, I think she probably just was just, you know, stunned. Just right. It was a physical and emotional blow to her. Uh, so through a course of events, she decides to stay in Marfa with her husband, and uh, it never occurred to me. But when you know when she had mentioned that she was going to be staying in Marfa, it was um, you know not really uh, taken well by some of his colleagues, some of Griffin Dunn's colleagues, who kind of say, "Oh, well, you know, kind of the point of the residency is for the the writer to." Be in seclusion and not have any distractions well, look, and.
1: Back up for one second. When sh- when they went to the reception mm-hmm. where they met all of these colleagues, at that point she had not decided to stay. Perhaps she was thinking about it. She had already yeah, gotten the call. That's true. She wasn't going to Venice, but she had not made that clear decision. However, it was it was very clear from from the beginning that she kind of wasn't received well. Like, the colleagues certainly weren't expecting to see her. One of them even said, well, the whole point in this thing is, like, being solitary, being, right. you know, whatever, alone, and we wouldn't have expected. And she said, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm not staying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as as the story, you know, moves forward, there's clearly something... Between her and, and Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Or Dick. at least she thinks they're yes, <laughs> the, Dick. That is Dick. Um, she's attracted to Dick. I think that's part of the reason that she doesn't want to leave. She doesn't have anything waiting for her in Venice. She's having these issues with her husband as it is, and now here's this handsome, intelligent, like new
0: person. Yeah. I I actually called him a, a cowboy scholar.
1: There you go. I because, like it.
0: Because that's he, he's got this quiet it's almost like he's got this quiet wisdom about mm-hmm. him I that was actually the probably the one thing about this this episode I did like was Kevin Bacon's performance um, that was probably about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well um, you know it's Kevin bacon I don't you know he for the most part does good stuff he was a quiet uh his his character was kind of quiet uh kind of a listener, asked the, the occasional question. Mm. Also, a, a little bit of, dare I say, antagonizer? Like, he kind of picked at her a little bit, but yeah. I think it was part of their... the beginning of this whatever is going to happen, this relationship
0: yeah. or or whatever. Well, and, and I think... Yeah, this... He... Yeah, not only, like, antagonized, but it was like he, he was a listener, but... Like the questions he asked, I mean, he was. Um, I think
1: he, I think the questions that he asked, in some ways, pissed her off because it, it made her take a hard look at herself and her work yeah, and that's what and, and things like that.
0: He, I mean, you know, this this dinner scene where it was, uh, you know, the the married couple decided they wanted to take the you know take Dick out to dinner. Um, you know, he, you know, once he found out what what Chris did as a filmmaker, you know, he started just dropping some truth bombs on her. And it, and she... That was probably the first time anyone had ever done that to mm-hmm. her. Uh, I'm sure, you know, her husband never uh, looked at her work critically. You know, you know, creative people tend to surround themselves with like-minded people. So there's a very good chance that her work was always... Received well by her peers and right. and you know people that she worked with. So this might be the first time an outsider has ever really just you know dropped a deuce on her. Right. You know just um, the, but the the overall. I just um, I just was felt annoyed by this episode. Thank you. It, <laughs> it felt like. I, I said I wrote the, in my notes. I said it, it reminds me of an of an indie like an independent movie and not a good one. I could see that like very, just overwritten, over filmed. I mean, they were you know they would just cut it, they would cut in between scenes and they would just show random shots of scenery. Yeah, and town a lot of still
1: shots of just random things like yeah. town. But then they, they they would also include still shots of her. Um, I I didn't see anything relevant to those shots. They didn't add anything to the story. It was just let's be artsy. Let's let's do something yeah. different here. It, it and so I got annoyed because there was no point in
0: the way that they filmed that. Well, it, in the way that they f- you know, the, in in the way that they filmed it, I thought there's no way I could watch an entire season of this. The same thing I was thinking. Um, it's
1: already I already had the like nails on the chalkboard feeling <laughs> and this was one 20 some minute episode. I don't know how much money you would have to pay me to probably continue watching this show. I, I when it was over, mentally I went,
0: Oh thank God, let's check out the next one. Yeah. I I did not enjoy this show. It it said it was a thirty minute episode. To be it felt more like an hour.
1: Thank you. Again, like <laughs> we were getting I don't know, we we were probably two thirds of the way in and I definitely had this thought of like, Oh my god, have I been sitting here for what, an hour, hour and a half? Like where are we at? This is I, I mean it just was painful to I me. I think
0: there were just way too many quiet introspective moments and that's why I said it, it felt more like a film than a 30 minute television show I I, I think it, it it tried to be a, it was a little too artsy <coughs> for the sake of being artsy you know right. they, they were trying to take advantage of you know and and I get it I guess I mean you're, you know, you're probably in this this it's this desolate location but it has like a beauty to it um I really like the scene at the end. I didn't understand it, but I like the scene at the end where Kevin Bacon walks out. hes I guess he's got like a pool, like an in-ground, like it, but it looks like it's in the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, we could probably mention that he actually owns a ranch that sounds, we don't really know, but sounds quite large. Yeah. Um,
0: he gets up early in the morning, he, he walks out, and it's just quiet. He doesn't say anything. Um, and he strips, and he just gets into this pool. But the scenery is just beautiful. Oh yeah! I mean, I, could, I I actually for a moment imagined myself floating in this pool of water, and just looking at the horizon with the there were some like some mountains, and right. you, know, you could I could imagine just the sun, rot, you know, coming up or or setting. I mean, and just you know wa- looking at the sky while floating in this pool of water, and just being like wow, that would be kind of awesome.
1: Right. Um, no neighbors for. Miles. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, Kevin Bacon, yeah. go ahead and strip down naked and get
0: in the pool. Yeah. It's all good. I probably wouldn't want to be in there with him naked, but you know. Okay. That's just me. You might have a different opinion. I know. He
1: I don't know how old he is now. I gotta give him credit though. He's really in excellent shape, you know. He still looks good. He's still yeah. handsome. Yeah, he's still handsome in the face. He's in this particular show he's kind of got like some scruff going on yeah. and there's definitely grey. In the scruff, so you you see that he's he's aged. This isn't footloose, right? But he's still in super super good shape.
0: And 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 he wears it well. Like mm-hmm. you said, I mean he's got and he for the character he wears it well. I mean he's got that like I said he's got that cowboy rugged. Yeah, I mean he, in, in the first scene we see him, he's riding a horse in the middle of town. Um, he rolls his own cigarettes. He doesn't. He's not pretentious like. Um, the rest of his the the, this, the scene during the reception where you kind of get this glimpse into the people that are part of this writer's program or this writer's residency um, I wanted to punch them all in the face mm-hmm. because they were just these pretentious hipster whatever you want to call them um... And I just hated them all <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say but you know Kevin Bacon, even though he's at the center at, of this I mean he's the one that brings all these people together you know he's the one that invites them you know the invites writers to be a part of this program but he doesn't surround himself with these hanger-ons these, you know people that probably would suck up to him you know he you almost get the feeling like he distances himself from everyone. Except for um, Sylvia and Chris, who maybe he can tell, you know, he could tell maybe they're a little different. And maybe he's interested in Chris because she, in fact, is not one of his people. Mm -hmm. You know, she does bring something different to the table. And maybe he sees it as a challenge that. You know that it's you know, almost like it's something for him to play with.
1: I was going to say like a, his own little project. Yeah, he's used to dealing with the same types of people who are all working to become writers, and her her career is a little bit different. And perhaps that's why, kind of, I don't say right out of the gate, but kind of out of the gate. Like they sit down, just the three of them for dinner. He says, "What do you do?" And then, bam, he's just like nitpicking. Mm-hmm. So. But, you know, sometimes people do that, and they don't mean harm by it. It's their way of just trying to say, hey, did you ever think of, or have you ever tried, or da-da-da, but they -hmm. they come across abrasive. Right. But uh, the only other thing I want to say about this show is I actually did not like the couple as a couple. I mean, maybe we're no. not supposed to like them as a couple because they're going through this, these problems and whatever. I thought they were a weird couple. Mm-hmm. It was a weird match. I didn't think they went together. Like, I could see how in life two artists, if you will, a filmmaker and a writer, very creative people, may be attracted to each other. And there's plenty of artists out there who are in relationships with other artists and artists who are in relationships with people who are not artists, so it could go either way, and that's it. Just the whole—it just felt awkward the whole time. He looked to me—he looks substantially older than her. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not ageist. Date and marry whoever you like, even if they're substantially older than you. It's totally <laughs> cool. But it was just one thing that was uh, easy to notice, easy to identify. He looks a lot older than than she yeah. does. A lot of it is hard for me to put into words. Hard for me to identify or or label. They just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like a match. But again, maybe that was intentional so that we could watch their relationship fall apart. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I agree. And, And the parts where they did have intimate moments and they talked about, you know, there was talk of them, you know, right before going to dinner, having basically a quickie. And it was the most uncomfortable thing ever. I know. It was and like, like I,
1: do you want to do it? I, well, maybe we should do it. I don't know, because we haven't done it in a while. And, and he Would says you to like her, to do it? It just felt so yeah, weird.
0: Like, And he says to her, you know, like, playfully, but get on your knees. I'm like, oh, God, please don't let this happen. Please, like, let her just walk away, let them go to dinner. I don't want to, like, the... And I know, you know, real couples and real relationships, they don't have, like, you know, porno sex. I mean, that's, you know, I'm okay with seeing a realistic depiction of a couple, you know, having a, you know, sexual relations, but this was just beyond um, uncomfortable. And then later on, when he discovers her, like, uh, after dinner, you know, she, it's almost like she becomes a little obsessed with Dick. Um, Kevin Bacon, not the, not the member. Well, hey, could could, <laughs> could go both ways. Could, could we definitely go both ways. Yeah. Um, she's she finds herself with her laptop writing, and she's writing a letter to Dick. But it sounds like it's part of a creative process, or she's struck with inspiration to maybe write a story. I or, thought that
1: was a cover up because he comes out of the bedroom like, "Hey, aren't you coming to bed? What are you writing?" And she says, "Oh, I'm writing this. It's, you know, it's kind of like a short story, but like maybe in the form of a letter." Sure. I mean, writing can take so many forms. I'm buying it. I'm with you. But then he's like, "I didn't I didn't really like how he was kind of pushy about it. Like this is her. She's just Yeah. You know, yeah. like you draw. And sometimes I'll say, "What are you drawing?" but I'm not going to be like, "Well, how come this or why this?" And da 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 like, it was weird to me that he
0: was so pushy that, about it. And, like, who's the letter to? That didn't bother me as much, only because I thought they're both creative people, and maybe this is their creative process. Maybe they bounce things off of each other. Like, we we get to see so little of their relationship because from the moment the show starts, it's like hectic and chaotic they're they're rushing to pack up and leave new york they drive straight to texas they immediately go to this reception you know i mean like there's no time for the, for, for you to actually see their relationship it, on, on a day, like a just a regular day to day thing. And I so totally
1: get that. I wrote in my notes that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. About their relationship.
0: But when you know, when when she she's reading him the letter, it is the way it's written is very. Uh, it, it's like literature. It's very verbose and um, semi-erotic. I don't know. But, but it he gets aroused, and they have you know they have sex on the couch, and then and then that's it, and <laughs> well, then he walks away.
1: I still thought that maybe like when I said cover up because at the end she folds up the letter like she's mailing it, maybe yeah. again, maybe that's just I part of her process or something, but I feel that's like true. she was typing a letter to Dick. The husband comes out. What are you doing? She has to say something. So she's like, oh, you know, I'm writing. It could be like a short story or something. It gets him turned on. Sh- okay, fine. But it's not hmm. It's not over. It's not, I'm done with this piece. Or, oh, I'm going to write some more. I'm going to turn it into, you know, a bigger piece. Or whatever. She literally prints it out and folds it up like tri-fold like you fold a letter like she's going to mail it. So I got the impression she was putting that baby in the mail to Dick.
0: Well, hopefully we never find out.
1: I don't want to. <laughs> Please don't make me.
0: I don't... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot stress enough how just... I did not like this. I
1: wanted to like it. You told me Kevin Bacon, I was like, yeah. Oh, it's freaking oh. Kevin Bacon. On and then Catherine Hahn, like
0: on paper. I, I
1: love her as in other rules, you know, that we've yeah. seen her in. I was like, This is gonna be like a slam dunk.
0: No, on no on paper this should have been a, a great show. Um I don't know the source material and I even wrote, you know, I wonder if the book is better or equally as annoying as the show. Yeah. Um I don't plan on finding out. No, (laughs) no. And I would not recommend that you investigate this further.
1: I need to be paid large sums of money to continue with this show.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, hopefully that... It never happens, you know, that all three of these fine actors go on to bigger and better things. Um, Now, the second show, Jean-Claude Van Johnson, I thought was an interesting commentary... On, on Hollywood and an interesting uh, story in that, Jean Claude Van Damme is basically playing himself as the martial artist slash action film actor who is retired. But you you find out that he's also you know, that his his acting was a cover identity for his real job as like a black ops operative or agent and his real name is Jean-Claude Van Johnson or maybe that's his code codename. I, I don't really know what is supposed to be his real name or his cover name but so his cover is that he's an actor and he goes to these exotic locations and goes out of the country to film movies and while he's doing that he goes on secret missions. And he's... <laughs> He's retired, but he runs into his old, um, like his old handler. Slash, she was part of the the whole cover story too, where she was his hair and makeup artist. And she, he runs into her, and it stirs up some feelings. And he decides he wants to get back into the game. He wants to come out of retirement. Um, so he calls his agent, who is also his like his field like his boss like his spy boss um, again which is I I thought it was like I I like the mix of Hollywood like the the Hollywood grind and you know black ops type of thing it was just really um, uh, his, his boss by the way is Felicia Rashad aka Mrs. Cosby Huxtable oh Huxtable I'm sorry Huxtable yeah you're right um, I got it. In Claire, my notes. Claire Huxtable. Claire Huxtable has not aged a day. No, she looks good. <laughs> she we haven't looks seen amazing. her in
1: how many years? And Felicia Rashad, looking good, girl.
0: Yeah, yeah. She looked great. Um, and I thought she was good for her role. You know, it was a, it was a small role, but I thought she was good in it. I I agree. Um, I don't know. I just um, I I like this concept, and actually, this is not to me not a new concept because there was there was a comic book a few years back called The Leading Man which was which they said was being developed into either a movie or a TV show and it was the exact same premise it was this ruggedly handsome guy like a, a Clooney or a John Hamm or like a Chris Pratt who was this actor, this handsome actor? But he was actually like a secret agent, and it was the exact same premise. And all of his, like his hair and makeup person, they were his, um, they were his handler and like his equipment person, his weapons person. Um, it's it's literally the exact same story. So hmm. I wonder if maybe they, if they bought that, bought the rights, to, the that, rights to that story, yeah. and just developed it, developed it with um, JCVD. Um, I really like this I just wish it had been someone other than John claude Van Damme who I, I don't have anything really against him I think he he makes the movies that he makes and they're fun to watch but man he is like impossible to listen to you can't <laughs> understand you can only understand half his dialogue yeah without like cranking up the volume even then it's still hard to to understand um it it this would be just... a. This might have been my favorite had it been someone else in the main role.
1: Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I liked about this show is was the humor. And there was a couple different things. One was that they totally poked fun at Hollywood, mm-hmm. which I kind of chuckled about. There's a scene where he goes to a restaurant called... Dry, and of course, you can't just spell it like the word, <laughs> it's spelled D R I, where they serve dry ramen noodles. And so he's given like this brick of noodles to eat. Yeah, it looks like something
0: you would just open up like you're a package of s- 69 cent ramen sprinkled noodles. Sprinkled
1: something on top. I mean, it looked, you, you know. So he stops someone, you know, hey, mm-hmm. can I get some water? And the guy's like, we don't have access to water. <laughs> the whole th- yeah. and it was like this. I don't know. It was just funny, like they were poking fun at how pretentious the right. whole Hollywood scene can the whole be. culture. So I did kind of like that, and also every product in his house had his own yeah. JCVD label on it, I like actually, his his yeah. soap that he used in the bathroom, like.
0: Every the possible...
1: The slippers, yeah. So, again, like, I found some humor in that because they were kind of poking fun. You know, every celebrity, you're nothing if you don't come out with a cologne, mm-hmm. a line of clothing, or, you know, whatever. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I thought it was kind of funny also because although, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly a lover of Jean-Claude Van Damme, honestly don't know if I've really ever seen any of his movies but they poked fun at him as an actor slash the rules he's played like where they talked about he's so he goes on set he decides to go back to work and um Claire Huxtable Felicia Rashad, finds him a specific job, so he's he's on the set of a movie, filming a movie, yeah. but then he has to go kind of...
0: Yeah, it was like in Bulgaria or something right, like
1: that. Has to go figure out, you know, solve a crime, if you will. Um, the director, he says to the director, you know what? I don't think it should be this way. What if we tried this instead? And the director, who's this total hipster, you know... D-bag basically says, hey, this isn't the 90s where you get to fight like one bad guy at a time while the rest just <laughs> stand there. That's not how we do it yeah, anymore. He's a,
0: he's a, that, that's,
1: that's unrealistic. So then, five minutes later, he's you know, trying to solve the crime, find the bad guy situation and there's a whole slew of, I don't know, like a dozen guys. Like
0: security guards, yeah. And
1: they make a point to say, wait, we can't all just, like, rush at him. We go one
0: at a time. That was funny. He's like, yeah. And I'll tell you what, that was, like, my favorite part in the whole show. Yeah. He says, yeah, the like, the main security guard, he held him back. He's like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, rush him one at a time. Otherwise, it, you know, we'll just get confused.
1: Yeah, he said, we'll get confused. I thought that was so funny.
0: That was pretty brilliant.
1: And so to touch on what we said way back when we were first starting to record tonight, why I'm a little bit tied up. Is I do think overall I like the tick better, but the humor element of this show is what's making me go. Yeah, I'm kind of torn.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree. I do like the insider humor, like the inside jokes, the poking fun. Um, the the the, compi- the one thing I like, you know, a lot of times when you know when they make um, Hollywood-based TV shows or movies, like say Entourage. Um, a lot of the stuff they they talk about is like you know fictional type movies or you know they'll they'll talk about you know they'll they'll talk about movie, just things that aren't real but they'll make mm-hmm. up you know fake things for the sake of the show or the film. Um, but for this, you know, they they had to be very specific because it was JCVD. You know that they kept referencing his movie Time Cop, and um, you know the one bad guy he comes across compares it to looper with, which is an, another time travel movie like an action movie with um, Bruce Willis and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and you know comparing the two time travel action movies and saying that time cop was a better movie and i mean just you know a lot of inside humor like that is just um, yeah that that that's very, you know very appealing mm-hmm. you know to to you know see um you know, a show or a movie, really, just not take itself so seriously. Yeah. You know, acknowledge the fact that, you know, John Claude has made a just a buttload of action movies, and probably a good percentage of them are not good. <laughs> you know, they're they are what they are.
1: He also they also poked fun at him slash he poked fun at himself in the whole like okay I want to go to Bulgaria, I want this assignment you're leaving and two days or something so he goes home decides he's, he's gonna get into shape well, He's got two days right and starts using his home gym mm-hmm. and he puts the peg in you know like when you can choose how much weight you want to lift he puts the peg in it's too much weight he moves it up it's too much weight he moves it up it's too much yeah. weight he can barely mm-hmm. you know lift the bar um, he can't do his signature move, like the split thing, right. anymore. So I thought it was, you know, kind of fun because he's been retired.
0: Well, he's older, and he yeah, he's he still. I mean, God, he's still in great shape. Oh, but, for sure. But he, you know, but his face has aged some. Yeah. You know, if you were to look at him, they they every so often you could see in the background like a poster from one of his old movies, and you're like, wow, he has really, you know, and I I think. His age might, was a slight problem for me, in that the you know his love interest, you know his hair and makeup person, who's also like his uh, handler, um, way too young for him. Yes, I, I would say a solid twenty years too young for him. Minimum twenty years. Yeah. So yeah, they needed someone. How old do you think he is? He's probably in his fifties. Maybe maybe closing on uh, in on sixty. Okay, so he's he's
1: fifty five or sixty. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this girl might not be thirty yet. If she's thirty, it's barely. You know, like he's I don't 55. think I don't think it was just twenty. I think it was more like twenty five, possibly more years age difference. Again, I'm not ageist. Date whoever you like. But, let's be realistic, that's not, m- the majority of relationships don't have a 25-year, you know, gap, so... Uh,
0: the, her name's Kat Foster, she plays his uh, love interest, uh, she's 38. Damn! She's older than I thought. She looks... She's a lot older than I thought. She looks great for her age, I mean, she, not that she's, you know... If you would have said she's
1: 28, I would have been like, yep. Yeah, exactly. Holy crap. But okay, so let's go with you know what they look like. Is she she's thirty eight in real life? Is she meant to be playing a thirty eight year old? I'm going to say probably probably not
0: because she, like I said, she definitely doesn't look it. She looks about ten years younger. Yeah, than
1: so that. she's meant to be playing like a thirty year old, and he's playing a fifty five year. I'm still going with solid twenty five year mm-hmm. age gap.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, that all being said, oh, and and there was also. Um, the other guy I liked him he, he he didn't get a lot of screen time but he was another one of the his um, assistants on set but also as a spy he was like the guy who like handled his weapons and tech yeah. and gear.
1: I didn't even catch his name and there, it's very clear that if we were to move forward with this show that we're gonna get some backstory on him because he he talked to what's the hair and makeup girl Vanessa is her name, right? The two of them were talking, and he kind of says, oh, what's your story? And she tells him, you know, very quickly. And she says, what's your story? And he he thinks, and you see all these scenes yeah, quickly these, go by. Yeah, yeah of these images
0: of, like... Blood and... Guns, explosions. Yeah, all,
1: like horrific type things. And he says... I'll tell you another time. Yeah, or like nothing so exciting or something like that. There's clearly like,
0: like something, yeah. like a story there with him, so. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, it, it was, for what it was, I, you know, for, again, for being a, a JCBD, um, you know, show, um, I thought it was pretty ballsy, you know, again, for, for, for what I've heard about the real JCVD, his ego... Over the years, you know, um, I I I I wonder if over the years he's mellowed and kind of come to grips with who he really is and like his body of work and I mean and he's still putting movies out. He's still putting out like straight to DVD or you know video on demand. I mean he's still working. You know he's still like you can go to probably any Redbox and find a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie with from the last, like, one to three years. You know, he's still... He's still doing it, so... You know, I, I would probably... If, if this show got voted um, to, to keep going, I would probably continue to watch it. So...
1: Yeah, I might... I'd probably check it out or at least give it a few more episodes and see... Like, if the humor continues... Mm-hmm. Then then yeah, I'm in. If if the Huber continues on this the same level
0: as the pilot for sure. I think I'd have to watch it with captions though. <laughs> <laughs> because again the, the What did he say? Yeah, it was it was very difficult to follow some of the dialogue. Yeah. So um and last was the tick. So um again the, the, the tick uh, the biggest stars actually there were two other there was another star that uh so Peter finowitz was you know he plays title character the tick um, Jackie Earl Haley played the character the terror who you only see in flashbacks in this in this show but the this episode focuses on um Arthur well I'm sorry let me back up so this is a world where superheroes and supervillains are real Um, the main superhero superior, has supposedly vanquished the biggest baddest villain of them all who's called the Terror and everyone is content to believe that except for one person his name is Arthur Everest who has a History of mental health issues and conspiracy theories, but as you find out from flashbacks, it is um, due to you know, he, he watched his father get killed in a like a, a super, like a battle, like between superheroes and supervillains. Um, basically, the superhero's jet crash landed on his father. While they were like out get, it was really sad. Like they were out getting ice cream when he was a young, when he was a little boy, and he watches his father die, and is at the, the hands of the terror. So um, Arthur is convinced that that their town, their city, is still being run by the terror, and he has this whole like, it, it looks like some sort of conspiracy theorist. Like he's got this one wall of his apartment is just full of. Newspaper clippings and maps and strings connecting this to this, um, and he is um, eventually confronted or joined by the tick, who is kind of this big blue uh, buffoon. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say he's goofy, but he, and he's supposed to be, and that's you know that that might initially. I, don't know, I wouldn't say turn people off but make people scratch their heads a little bit that is that is so true to the character um, from the comics from the cartoon and the animated show from the 90s the see the the tick was all was all about um, satire and like kind of the same thing as the jean-claude show the the tick kind of makes fun of superhero and comic book culture and, the, like, the the tropes that, you know, and, and, and the stor- uh, storytelling cliches that are a part of that. So, you know, the, the fact that, you know, the good guy's ship, like, just flattened a civilian or the bad guy defeated the good guys because he blinded them with syphilis. You know, just stuff you would never... <laughs> you would never see in, like, you know, The Avengers or Batman or things like that. Uh, Things that are more played for comedy. Um, But I... um, Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I I thought it was fun. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't really go into it with a lot of expectations. Um, But yeah, like I said, I I enjoyed this more than the other two.
1: Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. I um, I enjoyed I think the the character, the tick. You know, I, I, I got that he's not the same as in in any way. But like why I liked Deadpool so much. Mm. And, you know, I don't have a really like a history with that character, but we went to see the movie and you know, he's beating the crap out of people and doing his thing. But he was also just kind of funny. Like, you got to see a little bit of the personality come through. And so, like, with the tick, yeah, I mean, I like you said, maybe some people would be turned off by his goofiness. But at the same time, here he is being goofy. Two minutes later, he's just knocking people off left and right. People are right. shooting at him, and he's just busting up the whole group of them. So, you know, there's like a... I like that he's not just a guy that comes in and kills a bunch of people, beats up a bunch of people, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's his superpower or his special suit or his, you know, whatever. There's something below all that. There's there's a there's a dude, Mm -hmm. you know, and you get to see that that personality in his goofiness, his quirkiness. So Well
0: and and where Deadpool was you know uh, that character is very much a smartass, and you know making jokes and uh, one-liners and swearing and whatever. Um, the the tick is almost like purposefully clueless. Like he yeah. he thinks like it, it to him it, it's like it's black and white. There is no gray. There's good and there's evil, and he's a good guy. And he's trying to stop crime. He you know, he says, Stop your evil ways. <laughs> you know, and and I even read that he's he's like a he's like the right amount of like crazy and Adam West. <laughs> you know, he he, he 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 seemed like almost unbalanced in his you know, just in in his demeanor and the w- things he said he kind of talked to himself a little bit. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, You know, at one point I think he was trying to decide how he wanted to handle the situation. He was kind of pacing a little bit and talking to himself, kind of talking it out, and neither of those things make you crazy. But it just kind of, you got to see, again, like underneath the suit and the, the abilities and such,
0: you know, there is like a personality there. And I... Towards the end of the episode, I kind of, I really went, really went deep with this. Because it occurred to me, you know, so obviously we see, we see the Tick and Arthur together. But you know Arthur is, you know, he's got some issues. So, it could have been written in a way or, you know, shot in a way that this episode, like, that where you think okay, does anyone else see the Tick? Like, is he a real person or is he a figment of Arthur's imagination? Mm -hmm. But then there are scenes where the Tick fights bad guys and the Tick is by himself. Like, they show him pacing and talking to himself, like you said. But I wonder if somehow, because they they don't ever explain how there are superheroes and supervillains um, you know they they show this thing in the very beginning where like looks like this alien craft comes down in like the early 1900s this alien craft comes down in like in the Himalayas or something yeah and explodes something and maybe you know maybe that is what causes there to be Super powered people um, in the world. I don't know, um, or was that supposed to be Superior's ship? Because su- they say Superior crash lands. Maybe that was supposed to be his ship.
1: I, I think it was Superior, uh, and because the following scene mm-hmm. was Superior being interviewed by Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, by Goldberg playing and himself. so right. Which I enjoyed actually. Um, so I assumed that you know, okay. So it's present day. This ship landed in 1908. Perhaps superheroes, or at least this one, don't really age because he looked fairly young. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would be a hundred plus. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it was a. I wasn't 100% sure with that whole ship thing, but I interpret it as. Like the day that Superior came to Earth, mm-hmm. and he then went on this, you know, well, they hunt, it, if you will.
0: They called it the dawn of the age of superheroes. At, the, at that point. Yeah. So I wonder if his, you know, whatever he did or how, however he arrived, altered the planet in a way that, you know, people. Now have power, you know powers or something like. They don't fully explain that, but but there are, you know, there are people, you know, superpowered people. Um, So the 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 scene where the terror is fighting the the superheroes. I think their their team was called the uh, Flag Five, and you know he kills them all and. And he approaches, uh, the the terror approaches young Arthur, who was sitting there eating ice cream with his dad. You know, and he takes his ice cream and eats it and is truly horrific. Like, he's he's Mm -hmm. just, you know, terrorizing this young boy. And I don't know if you noticed, but at one point, young Arthur leans back and his one eye starts switching a tick.
1: I did see the twitch, and it, I, it didn't even occur to me what that could possibly mean. I thought it was, I didn't think much
0: of it, to be honest with you. So, I wonder if the tick, it was like, if somehow he, like, like <laughs> and I'm just totally supposing here, what if the actual tick, like the blue, big blue strong guy, is some sort of manif- manif- manifestation of his subconscious? Like, what if he creates the tick? Um, and he calls himself the tick, and he's got antenna, you know, antenna, um, antenna on his head. Sure, he's the tick, but I wonder if that relates in any way to his facial tick from when, you know what I mean, like. Yeah. So. Yeah, I that's that's such a good thought.
1: I didn't even. I did wonder if he was the tick. I didn't notice the eye twitch thing. Mm-hmm. But that, that really could be something there. Mm-hmm. He, You make a good point. We don't know who else can see or has seen the tick. We see Arthur with the tick uh, on a couple different occasions. And then the tick shows up at his apartment. He's basically... Hey, you're gonna be a crime fighter. Uh, he gives him a costume. Here's your costume. It's in this box here. Yeah. And when you look at it, it basically looks like the tick's costume, only a little bit more crude. So if Arthur, it looks like a, like a, like a moth almost. Yeah. If maybe that's what Arthur wears, but in his imagination, he looks like the big blue tick. Well,
0: I can tell you that is what he wears in the comic and. Uh, he, he wore it in, like, in all the, the animated show and the live action show, he wore a similar costume, although I don't think it did anything. Like, in, in this version, it's, I guess it's supposed to be some sort of, like, uh, military grade technology where, like, he puts on the goggles and he can see different displays and then, like, these wings pop out of his back, um... I don't think initially, originally, it did any of that. Hmm. He just wore a costume to kind of fit in with the tick. Okay. And again, he was, like the tick said, he was the brains and the tick was everything else. He was, you know, the muscle and Hmm. whatever. Um, So, I don't know. I kind of wonder if it's going to be some sort of, like, fight club scenario where, you know... (laughs) The tick is, you know, Tyler Durden, and <laughs> um, yeah. So that, and I, I thought overall, I thought this had a really, you know, for being a a superhero show with effects, I thought it had a pretty good production value. Like it didn't look cheesy or anything. Like the the effects didn't look like cheap yeah. or rushed or anything like that. I thought they did a really good job with it. Um, Like I said, I I feel like the only... Maybe the only negative for this one, like, not winning, would be people just might not get the character of the Tick Mm -hmm. and why he is the way he is. Um, So...
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I could see that. Um, But yeah, I think, um, like what I said previously... Um, The first show, I love Dick. There's not a chance in hell I will spend any more time on that. (laughs) The other two... We hate Dick. If one of (laughs) them is the winner, then, yeah, I would be interested in seeing where the show goes. Um, It's still kind of difficult for me to say which I like better because I like them for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I was... I enjoy a comedy more than anything else, and I found more laughable moments with the Jean Claude Van Johnson show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I see a lot of good things with The Tick as well, so.
0: Okay.
1: I would watch those again.
0: All right. So, and I, I agree, I, I would watch both again. Um, so we're, we're both pretty much in agreement on that. Uh, And I guess now just it's a waiting game. I don't know exactly when the voting goes until, like, what the deadline is. I mean, I I plan on going online and voting and checking it out and um, see what the maybe if we gather
1: any information on that, we can post it with with the podcast. That way, yeah. if people there is going to be a deadline, that way people know when if they want to yeah. to we'll follow along with us, watch the shows, etc. cetera, yeah. then they know when they have um, to vote by.
0: Yeah, we'll find that out and we'll we'll post that along with the episode and, and our social medias and such. Um, but yeah, I think we've probably said just about everything we need to say about these shows. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's that. So we but we encourage you to go. Um, onto Amazon and you know, watch and, and form your own opinions and let us know what you think you can follow us on pretty much all the social medias uh, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter and Instagram and you can email us at pilotseasonpodcast at gmail.com and I think that's it for episode 6 unless you have anything else that's it Thanks for listening. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we'll see you next time.